Hi, welcome to Rushcast. My name is Jay Mantis, and I'm glad you're here. We are talking about our 40s still, a little bit of a continuation from the last show. We're talking about good albums. We're doing all kinds of stuff today, so thanks for downloading and thanks for streaming and all those other fun things. I read on, by the way, I'm new to Rush the Rush Forum. I didn't know, I, I guess I knew it was a thing, but I didn't ever try it out. I didn't ever... I'm not into like forums for some reason, and I think I I know why now. Because I get on the the Rush forum and I sign up, and I had a nightmare trying to like get in because I had created an account a year ago or years ago or whatever. I had to you know forget password, email me a new password. It took forever. I finally get logged in, and I can't figure out how to post anything. <laughs> I just I guess the forum setup just isn't my thing, but. Anyway, I'm there now, and I figured out how to post stuff. I I'd said something about the show to see if any of the listeners were on the Rush Forum. So, if you are on Rush Forum and you like using it, I'd like to hear from you and hear what you're using it for. Um, because it seems like there's a lot of nice discussions happening there that we could use um, to kind of uh, accent the show a little bit. So, I read on the Rush Forum that Something for Nothing was rehearsed for this tour. And I'm always curious, we get these things that come out and say, oh, such and such was rehearsed, or I heard this at rehearsal. Who is hearing these rehearsals? Are they tech guys that are just setting up the show who are, you know, head to the bathroom and tweet out what the, the guys are playing? You know, I'd, I'd love to know who is leaking these songs or if there's any truth to it. But Something for Nothing was rehearsed according to anonymous Rush Forum guy. I got this email from Scott G that I wanted to read. I hope he doesn't mind. We had a little bit of a dialogue and I thought it was worth mentioning. He said, uh, what's up, Jay? Always enjoy listening to your cast. So keep up the good work. Now a bone to pick with you. Interesting that you call this set list the intermediate fans set list. I would argue it's an old person's set list. While I... While I would love a tour without Tom Sawyer, Subdivision, Spirit of Radio, Distant Early Warning, Limelight, YYZ, and Closer to the Heart, the fact is they have to play a portion of those songs, and they always do. So as far as radio hits, this tour was no different than any others I've seen. What I think you missed is the concert... It says, what I think you missed is the concert was a love letter to us 45 to 55-year-olds. I'm 48. We were in... Jay, we were in junior in high school when 2112 through Signals and Grace Under Pressure came out. It is only natural that that is what appeals to us the most, in the same way Snakes and Vapor Trails appeals to you. Hearing Natural Science, Xanadu, Cygnus 1 and 2, Jacob's Ladder, Lakeside Park, Anthem, that was what we got high on and listened to when we were 17. It doesn't make us intermediate fans, it just makes us old. Smiley face. Have a great day, Scott. And I told Scott, you know, thanks for writing in. Uh, I told him, yes, you're right, and I probably kind of, sort of, um, what did I say here? I want to say the exact. Maybe I kind of overgeneralized, right? But I think if I were that age, and I were a fan that was, you know, the twenty one twelve era was my thing. I wouldn't be happy with 
what we heard on this tour. I'm just I'm thinking if I were that age, I don't think I would want to hear 2112. Here's what here's what I said. If I were a longtime fan and I heard they were hitting just about every album in reverse order, I'd be very excited. I would expect to hear tracks like Something for Nothing, Lessons, A Farewell to Kings, Cinderella Man, something like After Image or The Enemy Within, Chemistry, Beneath Between Behind, or God forbid, Fly by Night, the song no one ever gets to hear. And, you know, obviously we had Cygnus and Jacob's Ladder, and those are those kind of counter my argument. But I don't know, I if I hear they're playing those albums, I expect to hear something juicy as opposed to 2112 and Closer to the Heart and all these other tracks. I mean, Anthem's a great one here. We ha- we don't hear that very often. But I don't know. I just that's how I think I would feel as an old fan, especially since you've been a, you've heard the band longer than I have, a way longer. And I think by then I'd be real sick of 2112. Um, I don't know, unless unless these older fans like 2112 so much, they just, it doesn't matter how many times they hear it. And again, whenever we talk about this stuff, it doesn't mean I'm not a fan of these songs. I love these songs as much as you guys, or, may, or maybe not, because I, I do tend to get sick of some of them. But I think like Cinderella Man and A Farewell to Kings, I wanted A Farewell to Kings so bad on this tour. I didn't get it. That's okay. So, last episode, I asked you to send in audio clips that I could play on the air, and some of you did that, and I appreciate it. I asked you, what is the most neglected Rush album? And that doesn't mean what album is, doesn't get played the most, or what album do people hate the most. It means the album no one ever talks about, good or bad, right? So, you can't tell me Caress of Steel, because... The fact that it was such a bad album uh, in terms of the general public and sales and the tour, the fact that that, all those things were so bad for that album, people are talking about it now and how bad it was. If you watch the documentary, they talk about Caress of Steel a lot. So, and therefore, it's not very neglected because people acknowledge the fact that it exists. I'm talking about albums where it's like, does the band even know that they made that album, <laughs> right? Or, or do fans know that album exists? No one ever talks about it. I have one that I think takes the cake, and I'm going to tell you that in a sec. I want to show you, I want to let you hear what some other people had to say. Here's Jason V. Hi, Jay. My name is Jason. I'm... Uh calling in from Baldwin, New York. Uh, first of all, I love you. Great job. Uh, I believe your question was, which album do you think is the most neglected or that the fans don't really know about, the band doesn't really talk about too much? For me, it comes down to three albums. Presto, 1989, Roll the Bones, 1991, and Vapor Trails, 2001. Now, I'm going to eliminate Vapor Trails right away because it's the newest album. But there are 13 songs on Vapor Trails, seven have never been played live. So that's just about half the album has never been played live. Next, Roll the Bones in 1991. There are 10 songs on the album, five have never been played. I bet you some Rush fans don't even know the names of some of these songs. Face Up, The Big Wheel, Hair Say, Neurotica, and You Bet Your Life. Uh, those are songs that no one talks about besides hardcore Rush fans. And they probably don't even know what they sound like. On to the main event. The album that I think is the most neglected that no one talks about is actually my least favorite album out of all the Rush albums. And that's not, I'm saying that with no disrespect 
because I actually do like this album, it's just my least favorite, is Presto, 1989. Now there are 11 songs in the album, five have ever been played. Chain Lightning, Anagram for Mongo, Red Tide, Hand Over Fist, and Available Light. Now it has a few good songs, Show Don't Tell, uh, The Pass, Presto, I love those songs, but to me, that's the weakest album. It's the oldest out of the three that I listed. And uh, I just think most Rush fans don't really know too much about those songs. And I'm sure if you put on a hand over fist for anybody, they'd probably look at you and give you a weird face. So my answer would be Presto, 1989. Thanks. Love your show. Yeah, I agree. I think Presto was one of the better uh, answers to the, to the proposed question. The thing about, I'm glad he elim- eliminated Vapor Trails immediately because Vapor Trails gets press, not not real press, but it gets attention because it was the comeback album, right? And and all of the things that it means to Neil and they come out and go, we're not playing anything from Vapor Trails. Oh, just kidding. Actually, we are. Uh, you know, Vapor Trails gets talked about. But if we're going to talk about songs that never, you know, albums that have songs that never see the light of day. I think he picked the three best albums, right? We never hear anything from Vapor Trails. How it is was a gift, this tour. And you can't argue that. Okay, if you look, that's a huge album to begin with. So much of those songs will never see the light of day. Roll the Bones and Presto are two albums, in my opinion, that are almost like Power Windows and Hold Your Fire. They're sister albums. They're right next to each other chronologically, and they're just so close. Same producer, same sound overall. And I agree with Getty when he said that Roll the Bones was really what Presto was meant to be. Like, Presto did a thing, and then Roll the Bones took what Presto was, and really, like, uh, it came out, it really created some good music. Where, you know, Roll the Bones is just a step ahead, a step ahead a little bit. I think that. I used to think, you know, those B-side tracks that Jason talked about on Presto and Roll the Bones, I used to think, that, oh, they'll never be played live. They're, they're weird songs. They're, they're really poppy for Rush, and I love them all. You Bet Your Life is a song I ignored for a long time, and now I, I really, really enjoy. However, I think, now I think that this, those B-sides on, or the deep cuts, I should say, from Roll the Bones are much more live-friendly, like, concert-friendly. I can hear them playing... It's a stretch, but I can hear them playing You Bet Your Life live. Uh, I can hear Neurotica, almost. The Big Wheel. A lot of people had The Big Wheel on their list. I always thought Face Up. The second I heard Face Up, I go... I wasn't familiar with all their tours yet, but I thought, oh, they must play this one live. It just sounds like a live song to me. And I always thought in the middle of Face Up, there's that only Neil playing does that drum fill. I thought, boom, right there, you could put his solo right in the middle of that. And that's kind of what they do now. They split it up, put it in the middle of songs. However, Presto, I don't think you, I don't think Available Light works live or would work live. I mean, we're, we're never going to find out, <laughs> but I don't think Hand Over Fist would work live. A lot of people dig presto and they wanted to hear those late tracks i think red tide might work you know it's just a you know red tide is piano at the beginning like it's it's just kind of a weird thing but i like out of the three he chose i like the order he put them in i think presto roll the bones and vapor trails in that order are most neglected for the three he chose 
And if I had to rank them all, I think Presto would may probably be second on my list. I might Hold Your Fire might be up there with it. Uh, but the fact that Hold Your Fire in is so bad in the eyes of some fans that it gets like people will actively tell you in a rush conversation they will go out of their way to tell you how much they don't like hold your fire unfortunately and that fa- that fact makes it not so neglected let's uh let's play jeff jeff garrett wrote in he did real good on the setless challenge and he sent me an audio clip as well here's his thoughts on the most neglected album Okay, this is my most neglected Rush album, and that would be Test for Echo. Uh, Back to 1996, 1997, the Test for Echo tour. You had seven of the uh, original 11 tracks on the album, Driven with the Amazing Bass Solo, Half the World, Limbo, Virtuality, Test for Echo, Resist, and Time in Motion, which was dropped in the second month of the tour. So you had six songs after the drop, not bad for a a tour promoting an album. The next tour, Vapor Trails, we have Resist, Unplugged, No Neil. And then again in R30, you have an an acoustic Resist. But then the next tours, Snakes and Arrows, Time Machine, Clockwork Angels, R40, nothing, nada. So 2004 was the last time we heard a Test for Echo song live. The last time the full band played a song was 1997, 18 years ago. Most fans on websites and forums hate uh, Test for Echo. Many people make fun of the lyrics. For example, Dog Years, I think it's hilarious. We get to hear Getty sing Sad Son of a Bee. Virtuality, the lyrics seem juvenile, but at the time, the language of the internet was a very new thing. So I, I respect Rush for attempting to deal with uh, those current topics kind of in the, the headline news subject matter that was done kind of in counterparts. Um, the song has a strong chorus. The riff is heavy, really kicks. Uh, Totem is one of the deep tracks that I would have liked to hear on the last tour. Um, lyrics like Media Messiahs, Praying on My Fears, Pulp Culture Prophets, Playing in My Ears. These are great lyrics. Um, so Test for Echo, most neglected album. It is the red-headed stepchild of Rush albums, and I think it's a shame. Thank you. So for me, Jeff nailed it. Test for Echo was my number one, without a doubt. Uh, it's the most neglected album, in my opinion. And he brought up some additional points, which was fantastic. Jeff, thank you for, uh, for sending me a clip. Jason, you as well. Thank you very much. So... In my opinion, Test for Echo is, a, is an album no one talks about. The band does not acknowledge. The fans don't acknowledge. And if you notice, Jeff pointed out that we haven't heard any. I didn't realize this. I know we've heard Driven recently, as in like over 10 years ago, if you want to call that recently. We haven't heard anything from that album practically since the album came out. I have a theory as to why that is. But first, I want to acknowledge that Jeff gave Totem some love. That's one of my favorite tracks on the album now. And I've heard people mention Totem, put Totem in the running for like the worst Rush song ever. People have those like unnecessary conversations about what the worst Rush song is. And of course, we hear Taishan and we hear Dog Years. That's a good one. And I've seen Totem in there several times. I'm like, what? Are you kidding? You, you think that's the worst Rush song? However, that's a different thing. I think that 
and I wasn't a Rush fan. I didn't know Rush was a thing in the 90s, okay? I was born in 91, and I became a fan in, oh, you know, oh, five or something. I want to talk, and we're going to bring somebody on here uh, in a few episodes who has lived through the 90s, and I want to ask him about this. It was a Rush fan through the 90s. I think Test for Echo came out in 96 or 97 was the tour, right? Then the tragedy happens, and they're on this break. And if you're a Rush fan, you get Test for Echo. Let's back up. You get counterparts. You like it. It's pretty good. It's pretty heavy. Test for Echo comes out. A little different, but similar, and you're, you know, maybe not quite as strong, and you're thinking, yeah, okay, whatever. Test for Echo, like, let's see what else you got. And then you realize your band is probably no more. If you're a Rush fan in 98, you're thinking, okay, it's over. We're done. Uh, They're not doing anything anymore. You know, how can how can they ever be a band after this? They're not worried about playing music anymore. And you look back on their career, and the last thing you have to remember Rush by, the last piece of material that you hear from Rush is Carve Away the Stone. And you sit back and you think, oh boy. <laughs> the last album was Test for Echo. Their final album has dog years. And the last song they ever write that I get to hear, talking about album order-wise, is Carve Away the Stone. I gotta live with Carve Away the Stone for the rest of my life. I can, I can f- imagine the pain. You know, I don't, I'm not, not, it's not a knock on that song. It's a good song, you know, in context of the album and the time that it was written. But, I'd, you know, if they ended with the garden forever, we'd all be happy, Right? It's an, it's an epic. But again, Carve Away the Stone. Have you ever had a conversation about the song Carve Away the Stone with somebody? No, you haven't. Which is why this album is a neglected album. The most neglected album. Okay, people talk about vital signs. Okay, people talk about mystic rhythms. Nobody talks about Carve Away the Stone. So I think if you're a fan on the 90s, you go through that whole break what is it, five years? I think. Yeah, I think it was a five-year break. And that whole time you're thinking your band is done and that the last thing you get is Test for Echo and Carve Away the Stone. I think that puts a bad taste in your mouth. I think, you know, normally they release an album and today they do put about five years between albums. You get five years to kind of enjoy it and wonder what's next. But with Test for Echo, it comes out and then that thing happens and you're like, oh, man. Uh, like it, it would just feel weird. You're thinking this is what I've got for the rest of my life is what they've put out now. So I think that tainted Test for Echo for fans. I could be wrong. I'm speculating. I wasn't even in the community at that point, right? I didn't know any of you people. You weren't listening to me. I was eating ice cream and playing Little League. But I'm curious to talk to people who have been through that because I think... That's probably the case. By the way, I like how J- Jason's clip had like the birds and the wind and the the grass in the wind, and it was it was very nature uh, filled. It reminded me of like didn't they record Natural Science, the beginning of Natural Science outside or something or something in hemispheres. One of their tracks was recorded outdoors. A Farewell to Kings, maybe? I know somebody out there is listening to me guess and going, yes, that's the one. 
I, I'm going to put my money on Farewell to Kings. And I'm just going to assume you're nodding right now. Like, yeah, that's the one, you idiot. Yeah, let's do this interview. You ever hear, you ever hear somebody say something and they think they're right, they know they're right, but in your head you're like, that's not exactly how that worked. Or that's not exactly right. Like, you, you ever been in the woods, you're hiking or something, or you're just in the woods with friends, and you touch a leaf and they're like, oh my god, that's poison ivy, don't touch that. Uh, no, it's not. Everyone, you're in the woods, everyone thinks a leaf is poison ivy. No matter what. No one knows what poison ivy looks like. They just think, if you're in the woods, you don't touch leaves because everything is poison ivy. Everyone's an expert on poison ivy when they're in the woods. Yeah, I had a, a piano student. Uh, yeah, I'm really good with the treble clef, but I'm awful at the G clef. So I'm going to like, we're going to need to focus on that in lessons. Say that again. I'm awful at G clef, but I'm really good at treble clef. Aren't those the same things? Sometimes when I'm bored, I'll go on Instagram. <laughs> and I'm new to Instagram, right? I'm new to smartphones. So I, I, I'm on Instagram. And I, I realize you can search things, search hashtags. And I'll search, um, when I get bored, I'll search my favorite plane to see people take really nice shots of planes because I like to geek out about things. And someone will take a shot and caption it with, this huge C5 galaxy flew over my house today. That's not the C5 galaxy. Sorry. Did you mean C17? <laughs> that happens all the time. And I'll correct them all because I'm a jerk. Right? Oh my god, look at the C5. That's not uh, C17, buddy. Sorry. Guy shows you a picture of a fish. Says, oh, look at this muskie I caught. And you know it's a pike. You don't want to tell him. Oh, it's the biggest muskie I ever caught. It's uh, it's not a mice muskie, bud. Sorry. What about like what about in Rushland, right? Uh, I liked everything until moving pictures. Then permanent waves came out, and I hated it. Um, I think you got your orders mixed up. I was so excited for the new album after the tragedy, and all I got was test for echo. What? That's a real thing. A guy said that to me. Oh, you know, I was a big fan, and then uh, after Neil's tragedy, I was so excited to see what they'd come back with, their comeback album, and Test for Echo, oh, I hated it. It was Test for Echo. That's, that's not... Yeah, yeah, sure, bud. I really like Grace Under Fire. <laughs> Motion Pictures is my favorite album. You know what? I saw them on the Snakes Tour and Primus opened for them. That's also a real one. If you have somebody tell you, oh yeah, who, who opened for them in 2008? Uh, nobody. <laughs> Nobody's opened for them for a while. You know, I wasn't a fan of Sticks and Arrows. <laughs> snakes and Stones may break my bones, but arrows can never roll me. Right, so sometimes people just don't know what they're talking about. I'm reading this article about or with Alex Lifeson. It's a, it's an interview. It's an older interview. You know, within a few years. I'm not gonna say who put the interview out, but when we read these interviews, 
sometimes the content from the band member is really good, but this the the blurb about the band beforehand is so unnecessary for people who have read these before or know anything about Rush. Okay, they're so generic. It, it's hilarious. Um, I want to read. You, I read this and I on parts of it that I thought were interesting. As I reread this today. I see I see what they were getting at, but the wording is just weird, right? Sticks and Arrows was my favorite album. The wording is weird. I'm good with treble clef, but awful at the G clef. Yeah, not, not exactly what you're trying to say. For a bun- It says, for a bunch of guys who have unquestionably earned a vacation, a sabbatical, or a cushy retirement... Lifeson and his mates have been touring their brains out since 2007. That's not a good news. Let's fix that. Lifeson and his mates have been touring their brains out since 2007 in support of their release, Snakes and Arrows. From 2010 on, the tour was dubbed Time Machine and consisted of a crowd-pleasing three-hour show that went deep into Snakes, showcasing new tunes, featured radio hits, and B-sides, and included their masterpiece, moving, moving Pictures, in its entirety. So did you see the, uh, the issue in there? From 2010 on, the tour was dubbed Time Machine. It wasn't the same tour that they just changed the name. And the Time Machine tour went deep into Snakes? It went deep into Snakes. Let me think about that. Faithless? I mean, that's deep, but that's one track. Am I, am I missing something here? Um, from Time Machine Tour, I think Far Cry was on there, and Snake, or, uh, and uh, Faithless. I don't know. I didn't like that way that was worded. I thought it was clunky. Later, he says, Although he's certainly loyal to his favorite guitars, still playing his trademark white ES-355. White double neck. Really? He's playing his white double neck regularly. Interesting. Then this is this is pre R forty, by the way. Tobacco Tobacco Burst ES three three five and Sportscaster Strat in parentheses the limelight guitar. Lifeson has reliably shaken up his amp rig. Blah 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 blah. So okay, the white double neck still playing his trademark white ES three 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 five five and his white double neck. I think we've seen that white double neck once since the 70s. Right? Like 2004, 3 or something, 2005, R30, once. And this Sportscaster Strat, the Limelight guitar? I could be wrong. Guitar people, you should let me know. I don't think the Lime I don't think Limelight was recorded on a Sportscaster Strat. I thought most of Moving Pictures was on a Gibson. And then the sportscaster showed up around subdivisions and signals and all that. I could be wrong. He never sounds more like himself than when he riffs with that lush, expansive tone dripping with chorus and delay. The guitar sound that is universally known as Alex Lifeson's tone. Lush, expansive tone, dripping with chorus and delay. Here's the thing. This goes back to the examples I had earlier. Look at this musky I caught. That's, that's not a musky, bud. 
why does Alex Lifeson have this reputation as having a, a lush, expansive tone dripping with chorus and delay? If you, if you don't know what chorus is, I'm not going to sit here and try to explain it to you. It makes your sound a little more washy and uh, and fuller, but I've never heard, uh, I guess like the old live albums, you could hear it kind of washed out with chorus, and he always uses delay, but I've heard several times people say, oh, you know, you're playing that Rush song? Oh, crank up the chorus on the guitar amp. What? what? I, I'm trying to think about when does he have tons of chorus? I don't. I don't know. Maybe some of the old stuff, but maybe his sound is like, you know, the. I think the delay is really what we're talking about here. But chorus is not an Alex Lifeson sound, in my opinion, or at least not the chorus that I use. I'm talking guitar stuff here. We got guitarists listening, I bet, who are going, you know, this guy's nuts. I don't know a ton about guitar stuff, but here's a here's a real a real big one that I didn't understand. Let's see. We weren't really keen. This is Alex talking. We weren't really keen on playing the camera eye for a very long time. It wasn't until we ended up doing the whole Moving Pictures album that we made an effort. It ended up being our favorite song to play on a nightly basis. It's a challenging song to play, and it's long. There are a lot of ups and downs and a lot of melody changes and key changes. It's a workout, but to play it well is very, very satisfying for us. We'll continue to play it on this next tour. So we're, this is 2012, this interview. It's during the Time Machine Tour. We're talking about the camera eye, which was played on that tour during moving pictures. And he says, we'll continue to play it on this next tour. And that's all he says after that question. We didn't hear camera eye on the next tour. I don't even think they considered it. I mean, we don't know, but there was never any future interviews that said, yeah, we, you know, we played it. We didn't have enough room or whatever. And we're talking about the Clockwork Angels tour here. So, that was interesting. I don't think anyone's pointed that out yet. Next question, he says, how about Lakeside Park? Alex says, wow, we did that on the Caress of Steel tour and probably for a couple of tours after, but not beyond that. Well, we got it on R40 and we appreciated it. It was fun. Is from Canada and that's additionally very exciting to have a Canadian on a rush themed show this person did exceptionally well on our set list challenge so exceptional that he won the whole thing and i'm glad to have him here to talk some 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 rush uh dylan bano is here how's it going dylan i'm doing very good can you hear me okay right now yeah perfect Perfect. it's usually a question i ask earlier and i forgot but we're we're rolling now i considered introducing you as uh, the a-hole that beat me at my own game, but I thought better <laughs> of it. <laughs> so, how? How? Let me yeah. ask. Um, how did you enjoy your R forty show? Uh, I actually got to go to two back to back, Calgary, Alberta, and, and Vancouver, and uh, like 
I, yeah, it was it was quite enjoyable. Both shows, and luckily, luckily, I got to go to two. So it was. I, did you go? In, a really great time. Did you go in blind, or did you know the set list? Uh, I know that when we uh, when I sent in, sent in my set list uh, for this challenge, that I had said that I was trying to uh, avoid spoilers, but I didn't realize that my show was two months into the tour. And when <laughs> yeah. I found that, I was like, "There's there's no way I'm going to be able to avoid spoilers for two months." Right. And then I then I got some spoiled for me just by like, oh. On Twitter and uh, and uh, and YouTube, which I never thought that would happen, so I was kind of bummed out by that, but pretty excited when I found out that they were going to be playing How It Is. Uh, you're going to rub How It Is happen. in my face, aren't you? I was so <laughs> bummed that I missed How It Is for One Little Victory, a song I've heard a billion times. Yeah, that I mean, that's a I could whine about that for years. But so when you found I, out about the set, did you did you like go look at how your list was, or did you just go, "I'll oh, let them figure it out"? Uh, I I didn't actually go back to my list until after the shows, and when I had looked at my list, I thought, "Well, that's some right. Someone had to have done better than me because yeah. I mean I I missed a whole bunch. I thought." Well, that's the thing. For yeah. people who submitted, they didn't see anybody else's, so they had no. Yeah. You had no idea how you did. No, yeah, like I had, uh, I had the garden on it, and I had uh, a, the the whole fear series, and yep. uh, didn't play any of that. So, fear was a really big, po- a really popular pick for people. Everybody thought they were going to do fear in its entirety. Yeah, which and in, uh, you know thinking about it now it's like they were doing the backwards thing and that's how fear was the fear series was released so it's kind of a bummer they didn't do that oh that's a good point that would have worked out really nicely so they would have played it in the one two three order but it would have been reverse chronological yeah 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 okay um if you don't mind me asking how old are you dylan uh i'm gonna uh 23 23 you consider yourself a hardcore fan? Uh, I'm definitely a huge fan. Huge um, fan. Probably, probably the biggest fan. Like I'm, you know, as, as Rush fans, I'm sure everyone kind of feels like, you know, to other people, you are that guy who's into Rush. <laughs> yeah, very much. So you're you're so just about my age, right? You said twenty three. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm 23. So this this is cool. So we were in high school at the same yeah. time, um, and I was the Rush guy. Were you the Rush guy? Uh, I was just getting into them as I was graduating. In oh. college, I was definitely you know the Rush guy. Wow. So so you you came into the scene here around like Time Machine. Yes, yes. Uh, time Time Machine was my first uh, tour that I got to see. So uh, let me ask, like, what's your favorite couple of albums? I'm really curious about this because I have a theory that when you were introduced to the group, that kind of sways your opinion of your favorite albums. Oh, it is really hard to pick like one favorite. Yeah, totally. Then even two or three is hard. I'd say like I really like 
Uh, I really think Snakes and Arrows is a really strong album. Yep. Uh, and Clockwork Angels is super strong too. Um, I, I 2112 was always like my first favorite, I guess, but I love Permanent Wave. And, uh, uh, well, I mean, the first two you said falls right into my little theory. You were introduced, yeah. you know, you're yeah. 2009, 2010, and you're, uh, and you said Snakes and Clockwork. I mean, <laughs> I think that's yeah. how it rolls. I get people email me, Dylan, all the time, and they're like, you know, uh, I was in, they're always like, they comment about the show, and then they're like, let me tell you about how I got introduced, which is pretty cool to hear about. And people yeah, often yeah. say, I love Signals, and I've been a fan since 82. I get a lot yeah, of 82 like, fans. My, my first tour was the Grace Under Pressure tour, and I've seen them every tour since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't. I had no idea you were my age, so it's funny to talk to. I don't think I've ever met in person somebody who was 23 years old or, or my age that... Um, well, I guess Alec Pulianis is pretty close to my age. Anyway, it's interesting. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to uh, more albums. It seems like that's the way it's going, the direction they're headed. Um, I don't yeah. mind them not touring for a while and just pumping out new material like crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you play yeah. an instrument or anything? I do. Uh, I've got, uh, I got guitars and bass. Cool. Uh, do yeah. you have a uh, what? Let me ask. What bass did you like best out of the millions that he pulled out at this show? Uh, the best that Getty's pulled, pulled yeah. out. Yeah. Um. How can you not say the double neck? <laughs> <laughs> now that he had and, two uh, double necks, why? <laughs> I I don't know. Who cares? They're awesome. <laughs> Getty Getty just sits back. He's like, you know, what would be cool is if we had two of these. <laughs> Four well, necks. Think about it though. Like if they play in a, a song that's in like a different tuning, like Headlong Flight, or I mean that's more Alex or whatever. But if you've got a, a okay, I guess Twenty One Twelve would be a better example when it's tuned a full step down. Yep. You got to have two of those tuned just in case the first one craps out and they got to switch mid song. Oh yeah. So that's maybe true. that's why he's got two double necks. Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe he, he's got a backup for each instrument, and since he's got since that's such a different instrument, he's got to have a backup. Yeah. And maybe since they take so long to change the strings, maybe they just kind of <laughs> rotate them. Yeah. Now, <laughs> did you see these um, R40, I think they're calling them webisodes or something? Uh, R40 yeah, webisodes? On, on that, uh, One's got on John Dinklage. Uh, yeah, most, yeah, I've seen them. The most recent one, if the listeners haven't seen uh, it's broken into two parts, and it showcases it's Getty talking about each of those bases that he plays, which is really cool. The yeah. first part kind of says he goes through the weirder ones, and then the second part's like, "Here's this jazz bass, it's red. Here's this jazz bass, it's blue. Here's this P <laughs> bass, it's old." You know, it was more like Getty, yeah. just like I like jazz basses, I want one in every color. Yeah, and then. Uh... Here's my P bass. It's got matching headstock. <laughs> I like what Here's he said. Another one. He's, he said about the uh, the the black one with the black matching headstock. 
He's like, this one just looks yeah. especially badass, so I save it for 2112. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, so, I'm looking at your list right now, Dylan. Mm-hmm. You had Prime Mover. I remember mentioning this the last episode. You had Prime Mover and Limbo. I thought they were both locks. I saw those two on your yeah. list and went, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. Um, <laughs> actually, a couple of people recently have wrote in and said, I couldn't believe they didn't do Prime Mover. You had Show, Don't Tell, yeah. New World Man. You had a lot of similar picks that I thought would have been money on this one. but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was actually, uh, if I can... Uh, speak on this like uh, I completely forgot about Roll the Bones when I was doing the, the set list challenge <laughs> and uh, I honestly thought that they wouldn't play it but thinking back like they only they last played it on R30 I think they didn't do it on Snakes right um, so it kind of makes sense to bring back Roll the Bones when I when the first time playing it I thought I was, I was kind of disappointed that maybe, you know, instead of picking, like, they didn't do a, a Presto song. If they were going to do a, a Presto, Roll the Bones, just one song from one of those, I, I would have liked to see Show, Don't Tell. Totally, yeah. Over Roll the Bones. Um, but I don't know if you had the same reaction, uh, like, the, the crowd had the same reaction at your show when the rap came up, and uh, they had the different celebrities and the Trailer Park Boys doing the rap. Oh, Totally. The, the, yeah. the place went nuts. How, how did the crowd? <laughs> it, it was. It was. Yeah. Uh, I think it was probably a similar experience where it was. It was like, oh, this is something different. In fact, I was looking through binoculars it, it, at a song like "Roll the Bones." You know, it's not something I'm super amped on. So in the middle of the song, I've got right. the binoculars up, and I'm kind of I'm looking at you know what kind of shoes is Alex wearing? <laughs> why are there Why are there picks on Getty Lee's mic stand? Oh yeah, he's gonna play Xanadu later, and then. Suddenly, I heard something in the crowd, or maybe it was Chad next to me laughing. But I kind of look up halfway through the rap and realize it wasn't the skull rapping. Right. I'm like, oh yeah. no, I missed, I missed half of it. But it was really cool. <laughs> Did you notice yeah, that I, the beginning of Roll the Bones had a really nice reception? Like the crowd was uh, generally really happy to hear that they were playing that song, and I was surprised at that. Yeah, it was. I mean, it definitely wasn't like you know people started going to the bathroom or anything. Yeah. Which I mean, I kind of you know they haven't played it since you know ten, for for ten years, so I guess maybe people kind of it's kind of grown on people now. Mm-hmm. I um I mean I, mean, I would I I think I'd rather hear I love Dreamline, but we've heard it so frequently, and I was yeah. and it was so good with the strings. I am glad they they skipped it. It would have been a little much, but uh, like I, I would have loved to have heard Face Up or something rare. But you know, now that we know what they did, they were doing their most important stuff. So I get it. Mm, totally. You think you thought they were going to do different strings, and you didn't have losing it. Interesting. No, I didn't have losing it, and uh, well, I kind, I yeah, I didn't think that they would play it. I figured. Like, if they didn't do it for the Clockwork Angels tour, and they, they weren't going to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I kind of almost felt the same way with Jacob's Ladder. I just kind of threw it on my six. Uh-huh. Just, well, I need to fill this group of six up, so 
Officer Jason's ladder on there. Sure. And and they played it, which was pretty sweet. But yeah, losing it, I didn't. I didn't think they were ever going to play that. You also had uh, you had Bytor and a farewell to Kings, which I thought were were pretty standard. I thought they might play those. Um, mm-hmm. I was surprised they didn't. Uh, and you had yeah, freeze. So hard. Your your list. Farewell the Kings would have been. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's I think it's tough. We're pretty far away. There's a little bit of a delay. Um, yeah. Your list is interesting because it differs in heavily in a couple areas. Like available light is a stretch compared to like the others. Do you know what I mean? Limelight, New World yeah. Man, Show Don't Tell, Prime Mover. You're like subdivisions. Okay, okay. And then available light. That's a that's different. Um, we talked today about test for echo and how it doesn't get much love somebody pointed out that it hadn't been played since essentially a song hasn't been played from that album since it was released for the most part and and since that tour and also freeze which a lot of us had mm -hmm. well if if it's if it's between freeze and how it is that would be a tough choice Really? Which one I would rather see live. I don't know. I, I'm, uh, but, go ahead. Well, if I have to choose, like, you know, you get to see Rush play either How It Is or Freeze, I, would, I wouldn't be able to decide. <laughs> well, it's hard because so much of Vapor Trails is, is it's so rare. And so much of it hasn't been mm. played. Um, I think that, when I first listened to Vapor Trails, how it is was like the dud to me. I had like a dud with every album for some reason. I'm like, ah, oh, that one's garbage. And I toss it aside. Right. Every time I got halfway through the album, how it is, I just skip it. I heard it once. That's all I need to hear. And then eventually I start getting tired of the other stuff because I listen to it so much. And I go back to those songs. I'm really, I keep forgetting to do this, but I want to do an episode all about, I mean, maybe we'll do it next time. An episode about songs that you hated went from the bottom to the top and now you love because those are i'm really interested to hear what people have to say about that and how it is is one of those i love it now and i'm bummed i didn't get to see it but freeze is a song that was like at first i thought this is a you know it rocks it moves it's in five it's it's pretty proggy but didn't really appreciate how epic it it was maybe until david bottrell's remix maybe that's what kind of pushed it ahead for me i don't know yeah i i think uh like how you said about how it is yeah on the original mix is kind of really distorted and like especially the the beginning yeah remix like the beginning just sounds so different now yep so much clearer and and really kind of sweet almost do you have any tracks that you like the original um, mix better on? Hmm. I haven't listened to the original for a while just because yeah. I wanted to <laughs> just kind of like separate it, just listen to the to the remix and kind of you know let it stew and let me think about it on its own for a while. Right. Um, Nocturne was a little bit. Uh, uh, different on the remix. It just uh, the he has a different uh, vocal melody in the uh, in the chorus, like a lower note, and yeah, kind of yeah. off for a bit. 
you're not alone there. A lot of people have said that. Yeah. And, uh, for me, it was just, I, I, I don't like, like just after the, uh, in, you know, the new guitar solo, and uh-huh. then the vocals start right away, right in the middle of the little bass fills. Which song is this? Uh, Ceiling Unlimited. The new solo and the, and the lyrics come right in immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then there's kind of like a pause. Yep. I like the better if the, you know, pause first, then the words. <laughs> I agree. I just, I love doing this, man. I love having these conversations. Those, These are things I never <laughs> thought I would ever talk to anybody about. Like, you know, I would I would hear that difference and go, "Oh man, I like I want to share with somebody that the vocals come in four measures later, <laughs> but no one will ever <laughs> talk to me about this." So this is cool. Yeah, it's cool. So no, people I like you and me. that to somebody. Kind of mention that to somebody, and they just kind of look at you like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> right. Whatever. So what? <laughs> um, I the the fear trilogy is funny to me because. Here's just what I think, and I've I've alluded to this. So we have the weapon, the enemy within, and witch hunt, and witch hunt is played live a lot. So I have three like big beefs with these tracks. Witch hunt is played a lot, and recently, it's so much better than the studio recording live. So like these last few, I remember snakes and arrows. They started playing witch hunt. And I'm like, ah, oh, really? Like, this isn't the best song. And towards the end, Getty's playing those synth pedals, those those bass pedals, and it's filling the place up. And I'm like, whoa, this song has got some balls live. And now I have a new appreciation for it. The Enemy Within, I think, without question, is the strongest song of that trilogy. You know, leaving Fear out, or Freeze out of it. And it's yeah. never played live. I mean, maybe way back, but you would think a song that good would be played live. And The Weapon, for me, is fun, but probably in the top ten weaker weaker songs that Rush has ever written, just for me. Mm-hmm. What about for I, you? I guess, like the, uh, uh, yeah, for me, I would have to say I definitely like the ending of the thing out of the, out of the four. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're just leaving Freeze out of it, it's definitely the best. I don't know. Freeze, freeze is really good. Um, <laughs> uh, but The Enemy Within, like, I just think it would be such an awesome song to for them to play live. Yeah. Because it's, it's just kind of, it's, it's fun. It's, a, it's an upbeat song in, you know, uh, relative to tempo, really. Right. And I just I feel it would have a good uh, live atmosphere to it. So did did you hear Between the Wheels? Speaking of Grace Under Pressure, did you hear Between the Wheels at one of your shows? I did. Uh, at, the, uh, at the Calgary show, it was Between the Wheels. And then at, in Vancouver, it was This and Early Warning. And This and Early Warning got a, like twice the reaction. Ah, that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you the difference in crowd reaction. Yeah. I, I, I don't know... If either of us can speak to this because of our age, but I wonder how much that song was played live on radio when it came out. I've heard it once or twice on radio, you know, classic rock stations, but um, yeah. maybe it was a big radio deal and they, you know, people people like it because they heard it on the radio. I don't know. Uh, I will say though, uh, when 
just an early morning was playing. I, uh, I, I reached down to my feet to grab my drink, and then I kind of looked up to my right, and I'm sitting on the on the floor, about eighth row, on Alex's side, and uh, like first seat, so I'm at the very end, and then there's the 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 stadium, the arena seats, and there's this guy like ten feet away from me, front row. He's just rocking out to distant early warning. He's got it <laughs> like he's singing along. He's screaming. He's loving it. That was and his I big song. I had to look at him and and laugh like, wow, he really likes this song. <laughs> so uh, you didn't hear you weren't you didn't go to any snakes uh, concerts, did you? Snakes concerts, no. Okay, I so I I don't I haven't looked at the lists in a while, but I think they played it on Snakes and Arrows. Uh, I oh, know they they definitely played it on R thirty in Rio, right? Yeah, I think I think they were rotating it for snakes and arrows. Okay, um, I know I know it's it's been popular a lot. We I know we have between the wheels on snakes, and I remember it being fantastic. <laughs> Again, yeah. those real bassy notes. The both guitar and bass are drop tuned, and they're just oh, yeah. yep. they're it's a beast of a song. Yeah, I, d- I definitely liked uh, the Between the Wheels better. So but, we uh, we talked about how crowd liked. Yeah, we talked about how that we had gotten virtually every instrumental from their catalog except Limbo, and mm-hmm. I think that's why a lot of us had Limbo on our list. Was that it for you? Yeah, because I you know I didn't think they'd play. Uh, either of the the sing songs, or I I would have really liked to have had uh, Main Monkey Business on my list because I really wanted to hear that live. That was really cool. Yeah. Um. But uh, I didn't think they'd do it. Uh. So I want you to kind of pitch to me how available light would have worked. So I want you to speak for all the people who had available light on their list. Uh, I know Brandon Dyke loves that tune, and he he really wanted to hear it, and we didn't get it. I don't know how that tune would work live. Um, Can you guys tell I'm a jazzer? I keep saying tune. <laughs> I could probably just say song in the rock world, but when I'm playing with my jazz buddies, you can't say song. <laughs> How do you feel? How would that? How would available light as a song? How would that have worked? Oh, uh, you know, that was probably one of the the weaker ones that I put on my list. That I was like, yeah, I don't know about this one. I figured, you know, if they're doing something from every album, I don't think I did put a something from every album on it. But I figured if they're doing something for from Presto, if they do. Show don't tell, and then maybe something else. Just to kind of like throw it in there, just for you know, just to cover all the bases. Really, mm-hmm. I I don't know how that would have worked live, but they always kind of seem to pull out something that you didn't. You don't really know if it if it would work if you hear about it, but then you hear it and it kind of does. Right. Uh, yeah. That was just kind of my like toss in. Everybody's got him. Dylan sent me his list. I forget the date uh, the tour started. I think it was like Mar or May 8th or something. 
Anyway, yeah. the day the tour started, I remember thinking, all right, today's the day, I, but my last day on the internet, and then I got to go dark. So I checked my Rushcast email one last time, and there's an email, and it says, hey, here's my set list. I, I hope it's not too late. And I said to him, I'm like, yeah, it like the tour starts in like an hour, <laughs> but you're not too late. <laughs> you were definitely the last one to submit. So, uh, yeah. the, you know... The last guy to submit ends up winning the whole thing. And <laughs> like I said, I'm impressed and I'm only slightly jealous because it was my own game yeah. and I did really badly. Well, I, yeah, like, like I said before, I, I was like, you know, just looking it up and I was like, holy crap, the tour starts today. I <laughs> the set in there. And I kind of had it sitting around for about a week. Yeah, you had to, you had to let I it stew. Of, I, yeah, I just kind of, well, you know, I compiled it and I let it sit and I thought about it and then I was like, yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm comfortable with this. So it was like, oh, when does the tour start? Like, crap, today. <laughs> okay, so send it in. And uh, actually, right before I sent it in, I counted all my songs and I only had 29. And I was like, oh, which one am I missing? I had Far Cry off the list. Oh. And you but, you had it on your but, your list that you sent in, right? Yes. Um, when I submitted my list to myself, I submitted to myself. Uh, I started talking about it on the show, and then realized I had doubled like two tracks. Like I had "Show Don't Tell" on there twice, and something else on there <laughs> twice. And I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was, that was it wouldn't crazy. have mattered. I did really bad. All right, <laughs> Dylan. Thanks for doing this, man. This was a blast. Uh, I. I wish I could, well, I guess I can do this on every episode. I, if you guys are listening and uh, I've talked to you about coming on the show, I've got a list drawn up based on when you've talked to me, and we'll have you on just like Dylan's on right now to talk towards the end of the episode. So thanks a lot, Dylan. No problem. Thanks you for want, having me. You want people to follow you on Twitter or anything like that? Oh, I'll take Twitter if they want. What's your Twitter? Uh, it's, uh, Dylan B underscore 27. Perfect. I like it. And follow me at J Mantis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Perfect. Thank you very much, sir. This was a blast. Thank you no guys problem. for listening. And Dylan and I are out of here. Thank you.